48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is I Almost Died, Part 3, where uh, we're going to have Scott Circlin, Joshua Kimball, and myself, Corey Kerr, tell some more stories. We're doing this to um, kind of sharpen our storytelling skills, um, and it's really interesting to see like what relevant points you can keep in, what what you can cut, and have the story still work, and uh, and doing that audibly you know, is really important. Um, that's why I think like story slams and, um, like the moth and, and stuff like that are really important. Uh, and, and people should try it. So, uh, if you ever just want to sharpen your storytelling skills, um, get, get together with a group of people. And, And sometimes artists, we tend to, uh, be kind of isolationists. And I, and I think to our detriment, a lot of the time, uh, I, I find myself spending too much time, kind of in my studio um, from a storytelling standpoint, the more I interact with other people and the more experiences I have um, and the more I'm able to, to hear and tell stories, uh, you know, the better I am at it. So anyway, um, I'll, I'll start, I'll start with today's story. And I think we're, uh, <clears throat> I think we're planning on having, uh, having each other kind of work while we're, while we're telling these stories. Cause um, we're going to try to get that stuff done. But so I'm, I'm just going to tell, uh, a quick motorcycle story. Uh, it's it's it took me forty five minutes to tell this story um, on my YouTube channel a little while ago. So I'm going to I'm going to do it in five, cutting out all of the uh, all of the superfluous stuff. So I can never pronounce that word correctly. So um, I in between semesters um, we did a little we saved up all year and did a little vacation down to Disneyland. And um, flying out of the small, tiny little airport that we flew out of, the TSA is not as strict. Uh, and I realized on the airplane after I had made it through security that my driver's license had expired and that I had made it through security with an expired driver's license. My thought was that LAX uh, flying back was not going to be as lax. And so... I had been saving for a motorcycle and I hadn't, I hadn't owned a motorcycle for now. I don't know. It it had been probably eight, seven or eight years since I had a bike. And, uh, so we're staying at my cousin's house and right as, right as I'm about to take off, he said, I found one and it was the one I was looking for. Um, and so we drove an hour, we bought the bike and I drove, um, 960 miles in, uh, about a day and a half, which if you know anything about motorcycles, um, it's not like a passive thing to drive 17 hours. Uh, like it took, it takes 17 hours in a car. It takes much longer in a bike because it's physically difficult. So that, that was challenging. I was, I made it, you know, about 900 miles with, with really no incident. Um, and then once I got into Idaho, I started driving and, I hit a, a sleet hail storm, and so um, I didn't have any riding gear. Um, I had no leathers. Uh, I was just wearing jeans, and um, and so I'm being pelted in the shins with hail, 
and I'm wet and I'm cold and I'm going like, you know, 90 to 110 miles an hour, which just makes you colder. And so I stopped at this gas station and I just, I was like, I need to buy insulated clothing and they didn't really have anything. And so I started buying like whatever I could think of. So I got like a pair of like sweats that I put on under my jeans and I couldn't button up my jeans anymore. You know, just anything I could do to insulate. So I bought, I bought uh, like two crappy looking hoodies and I zipped those up. And then I saw this fleece blanket and I was like, oh, perfect. So I bought this fleece blanket and I kind of wrapped it around myself and then I buttoned my, I buttoned my jacket over the top of it. Um, I was super warm after that. Um, bought these mechanics gloves. Anyway, so I made it through the storm. And then un, un, unbeknownst to me, my fleece blanket had started to unravel a little bit. It had started to unwrap. I had kind of wrapped it around my torso um, at like an X. And it started to unwrap. And then the end of the blanket got ch- caught in the chain of my bike. I was going about 105 miles an hour at the time. And, uh, and so the chain is spinning. And I don't know what happened, but... I'm driving and luckily I had both hands on the, on the, on the handlebars. I, it felt like somebody grabbed my shoulder and tried to rip me off the bike. And I just, I went straight back and, um, and then, and then it kind of snapped and I looked down and it looked like I had just run over a Muppet or a Smurf or something. (laughs) There was just like blue fuzz, this cloud of blue fuzz shot like 15 feet in every direction around me and I was like what on earth I had no idea what was going on and so I pulled over and then I looked at the I looked at the drive chain and I saw like little bits of my blanket and what had happened was my blanket had ripped in half had it not ripped in half I would have just backflipped off the bike at 105 miles an hour and just skidded for miles until I came to a stop so I was like oh my gosh right so I started driving again about 45 miles later <coughs> I'm driving I am 22 miles from my house and I'm I'm driving and you know those big giant construction cones that are on freeways not like the little cones but the big pylon orange cones um, sometimes they're filled with water luckily these ones were empty I it's super windy where I live and so I was I was going over this overpass and I was um, boxed in, so there was a car behind me and a car in front of me, and then a semi truck to my right, and I was in the fast lane. Somebody hit one of those. It flew in the air, and it landed directly in front of me. And I said, "Okay, okay, I can, I can, I can weave this." So I, I threaded the needle. I saw like kind of the the line that I needed to drive to be able to not hit this thing and die. Because, I mean, if you hit something on a motorcycle, you have two wheels, not four. So you don't spin. You just go down, right? And so I, I hit that little gap. And right as I was passing this thing, the wind picked it up and put it right underneath my front tire. And it tacoed right in half. Just the whole thing folded up. And one of the, one of the sides hit me in the, in the ankle. And I, I was certain that I just shattered my leg. I thought I had broken my leg. I couldn't feel anything other than just shearing pain because it hit me right in the ball of the ankle, you know, or, you know, just that, that really ex- exposed part of your. And so, and I was like, I can't shift 
if I have a broken leg on the left side, I can't downshift to get off the freeway. And so oh I'm trying gosh. to figure out like I'm lifting my leg up in case it was dangling, you know, cause I've seen like, I've seen like shins snap in half and like exposed bone and stuff. And I couldn't quite see. And I was still like three feet away from this semi truck and, you know, 20 feet away from these other two cars. And so I had to drive with my left leg in the air until there was a gap and I could kind of pull over. And so I got over and I was driving and I start, I tried to move my foot and it hurt so bad. And I was like, I was certain that I just, I had just shattered something and I wasn't going to be able to downshift to get off the freeway. I didn't know how I would stop. Also, that's the side of the bike that you, you support the entire weight of the bike on that leg when you park it. And so and that's how you put the kickstand down is with that leg. And so I'm, all of these things are going through my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And then luckily what had happened was it was just like a stinger, just where you get smacked really hard and it just like shocks your nervous system into just the nerves just light on fire. But it's not actually, it didn't actually do any damage. And uh, and so luckily I regained the use of my leg after after a minute or two and, and I was able to make it. But I mean, I, I mean within within a 60 mile period, I almost died twice. Just, 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 I mean, I don't know how I didn't go down. I don't know how, um, I don't know where that pylon went after I hit it. I don't know if it shot out the side or if I hit it with my back wheel. I have no idea. Um, but anyway, so that was some, that was, that was my maiden voyage of my current, current bike. I, I broke it in and christened it good. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. That definitely reinforces my desire to not drive a motorcycle. Uh, man, you're missing out, though. <laughs> um, oh man, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Okay, <laughs> I want to. I kind of want to hear Scott's. Um, okay, so I don't really. I'm trying to figure out how to go about this now. I'm only on this show like not as often as you guys, so I, I've got. I've got a few small stories, maybe. I don't know. I don't have anything as like traumatic kind of as 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 Corey's story there. I mean, meaning you're not as you're I, not as stupid as I am. You're, you're not that? as you're not as stupid as I am. <laughs> no, I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> I did a lot of stupid stuff. So I mean, well, well first I'll start off by I, I had I don't know what it was sort of an affinity for like climbing on roofs and jumping off roofs, and I think you have mentioned that too. Um, but I would do stupid stuff like we, 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 me and some friends, I think another friend, we went, we would go to like to the, uh, the schools in the, either the weekends or maybe summertime or whatever. And we boost our bicycles up on the roof of the, of the school and then, then climb up and then start just riding our bikes and jumping our bikes off the roof. I don't know how I didn't get busted or no one noticed or, you know, cause people work at the schools on the weekends and stuff, but we did that and, I mean, we, I, there was this one, my friend was shooting this video for his marketing class in high school and he's like, okay. So the idea is that you're up there, you're like a, a air conditioning guy working on a, you know, on this roof. And then we're, he's made this fake cola or something that he was advertising for his marketing class. And, uh, he's like, okay, so you drink it and you'd like, you're like, it's like Joel Kohler or some crazy thing. And then you just, you just like, like, you know, have this fit. And then you just, we want you to kind of just roll off, just do a roll off the roof. 
And I'm like, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> Did that. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, I've never broken a bone other than my nose, which I guess isn't technically a bone, but, but I've never broken any bones and I don't know how I got away with this, but I mean, I would do stuff like that. I mean, just jumping off, off, you know, roofs into, you know, swimming pools and just about everything to the point where it's weird now. Cause like I've got a two story house now and every Christmas, you know, most, most people that have the same model house as me, they, they'll kind of do the, the bottom story. But me, I get up and it's pretty high, you know, I get up there and you have to get on the very top of the roof and hang down to hang these lights off. Now I'm the only one with this model house that actually gets up there and, and does that. I assume if you had a, like a large ladder, you could do that, but I don't have, a, I just have a regular ladder, which I, you know, kind of get up on my back patio and then I pull myself on the roof and then I pull myself on the second level. But every year, it's like now I'm like, because I'm older now, and now it's every year it's like, oh, I, I, I don't know, you know, it's scarier and scarier every year. <laughs> so it's not like when I was a kid where I would just be like, and, and that's a good thing because I would probably have fallen off one of one of these times because I'm like super cautious now and everything, whereas before I would just do all the stupid stuff. Um, so I've never actually almost, you know, got that close to killing myself, but I've come close to killing my brother like two or three times. <laughs> so, so I don't know if this fits the, fits the thing or not, but they're kind of funny stories. So I'll bring them up. But my brother, what, for whatever reason, like I said, I, I never broken any bones or anything like that, but my brother, he, he would always, for whatever, he always got, whenever we were, you know, doing something stupid. And most of this was just me teasing him or my friend and I teasing him or, you know, experimenting and trying to put things on him. And, uh, and he would always, you know, he'd always either get in trouble or almost, you know, or break arms or, or, or whatever. Um, so there's, there's, there's three stories. There's the R2D2 story, there's the Donkey Kong story, and then there's the bow and arrow story. So the bow and arrow story, um, my, my friend who was just, uh, a very, very bad influence. And I don't really talk to him anymore because I think he just got worse as time went on. Um, but he was just the troublemaker, big time troublemaker. And, you know, I was always around him. So I tend to get in trouble too. But, but, uh, my dad, who was at the time, he was, uh, hunt, he was into hunting with like bow and arrows and stuff like that. Um, so my friend had made this bow. He just kind of made this bow out of, you know, piece of wood and some string and stuff but my dad had he took my dad's arrows now they didn't have the tips on them but they were like i don't know what they are aluminum or whatever but they're you know they're no tip on them but they're still like metal arrows yeah and he strung it up he's like oh put this you know he wanted we want he wanted me to do this william tell thing and i don't know what i was thinking so because i didn't think he was actually going to shoot it shoot or whatever so i put the <laughs> apple on top of my head and then my brother's like, no, don't, don't shoot. And he shot it and shot my brother seriously right between the eyes. I mean, oh a, my fraction, a fraction of an inch, either any other way he would have lost an eye. I mean, wow. he still has, it looked for, I mean, it was, it's, it's a little harder to see now, but he's, it looks like he took a, like a ball, back of a ballpoint pen and just pressed on it. Oh and, my gosh. And, and he had that that scar for like the longest time. And he still, you could probably still see it, I think. So there was that. So that was, you know, that was one thing. <laughs> so <laughs> the R2D2 story. So my dad built, um, my dad was in the swimming pool business and they had these 
metal pool cleaners or something like that, but they looked like R2D2. They were these heavy metal, you know, dome things. I so like I told my brother, I, I said, I said, Todd, we're gonna make you, we're gonna make you an R2D2. He's like, all right. And you know, <laughs> and so and this this was this, you know, a lot of these were innocent, not intending to hurt him or anything, but so I took this big giant metal dome and I just, you know, put it over his head. And he's like, ow. <laughs> and so what I didn't realize is that there is a there was a gauge that kind of screws into the top that was missing, but that place for the screw was still in there. So there's this, you know, almost like this, not a spike, but like a little metal, you know, uh, like kind of a like a I don't know, what like a bit or something. I don't know. It, and we pulled it off his head and his hair was just like totally red with blood. And Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, it's like, what happened? You know? And then we noticed that the way the whole thing, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't see that there. So there was that. And then, and then, so the Donkey Kong story. So we had a, growing up, we had this two story house and we had the staircase. It was pretty much it just a flat staircase. It just ran straight up. It didn't curve or anything like that. Uh-huh. So what we would do is we would we would play Donkey Kong and we get these duffel bags and and the object was just to get up the stairs while people at the top of the stairs were throwing these duffel bags and, and stuffed out at you and things stuffed the stuff in the duffel bags and everything. We just, you know, bam, bam. And, you know, so, you know, it was my brother's turn to do that. So he's going up and we just nailed him and he went flying down the stairs and everything. He's like, ah. And so, so we go there and. You know, he's he's like my arm hurts, so he, I'm like, like oh man, I think he might have broke his arm. So I didn't know we were home, you know, kind of home alone. My my parents were at work or whatever, and you know, I apparently while we're doing this, we also made a huge mess. But um, so I forgot who else was there, but me and probably a friend or something, or you know, maybe it was just me, and I had kind of kind of did this makeshift slang on my brother and he was just kind of just waiting there. We were waiting for the parent, my parents to come home and my dad got home and he was not happy with the fact that the, sh- the shape that the house was in. So that was one thing. And he's just like yelling. And then he sees my brother and he's got his, this sling on his arm. He goes, what, are, you know, I'll, I'll leave out all the expletives, but <laughs> what are you, what are you guys doing? He goes, you know, you're supposed to clean this room and all this. And 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 I, I forgot what the sling was made out of. It was probably something that was his, like his clothing or something. I don't know. But he's like, he's like, get this thing off. And he just like rips this thing right off of his arm and and come to find out, yeah, he did break his arm. And I think I don't think my dad helped any with it. Oh no. <laughs> so so yeah. So so those are the three times that that, you know, either tried to kill my brother or or he, he kind of faced near death. So, yeah, <laughs> those are those are my stories. So, oh man, those are good. Yeah, those are really good. Um, I think I'm gonna switch up. I had a, a story I wanted to tell, but I'm, I'll save that for another one if we ever do another. Um, I think I'll continue my kind of chronological ones and and kind of go up to like early 20s. So, I'm like at this point in my life where um i was i had gone from high school i was like a straight a student um i was in honors classes and ap classes and stuff and like i just i would goof off and like at you know as as you guys know if you listen to the last episode like you know i did a little bit of drinking and and bad things but at the same time i like i i was a pretty good kid like academically 
And so I, I just did kind of the typical academic thing. You like graduate from, from high school. Um, I had kind of gotten fed up with like living at home. So I like quit, quit, like I left my, I left uh, my family's house and like, I, I got a job at an AM PM mini mart, which I felt really good about. Cause I'm like, I can pay rent in like an apartment if I stay with my friend, you know, like, so I moved in with my friends, moved in the apartment and went to Antelope Valley college, which was like a junior college in the area. Cause there's no way, like I got accepted in a couple art schools, but just the, the budget, like I didn't have the money, you know? So I was like, I could get like a full ride and still not have the money to go to that school, you know, cause it would cover like a year, you know? Um, and so anyhow, so I'm going to the college and playing in bands and then I get this brilliant notion, you know what I'm going to do instead of like pursuing my art de degree, I'm going to drop out of college and just play music with a band and work at AMPM because I'm working graveyards and I'm making enough money to like buy instruments and playing gigs all the time. This was like my life at the time. It's a, an important setup. <laughs> um, so so my mindset at the time is just like going to be like a rock star in a band. I'm working these graveyard shifts, which are like murdering like my mentality because it's like if you guys have ever worked graveyard shifts, it's like you you start at like 11 and you get off at like seven, you know, in the morning. And so by the time you're off work and you're ready to like hang out with friends, like no one's awake or everyone's like going to their jobs. Um but anyhow, so I'm doing that. Um, I hate the AMPM I work at. Like, I, it had one of the worst bosses I've ever had in my life, um, and that'll be important later too. <laughs> but anyhow, so there's this one graveyard shift where, like, my primary duties were like, you like ring people up. At the time, um, this was like pre 9/11, so you were the only person in the store, um, and so people would come in and do beer runs like all the time. Um, so they just come in, grab beer and run out, you know, and it like, when people do that, it like causes this just like, oh, like you want to defend the store kind of reactions, you know, but you're like trained by the, the, the franchise or whatever, like not to pursue people. Cause it can like, it's not worth getting shot over basically. Cause it, it's insured, you know? And, um, anyhow, so I'm working a graveyard shift really late one night and this guy, um shows up um and weird people would come by like you'd have like guys come in and they'd have like a swastika like tattooed on their chest and or like meth freaks come in and like disappear in the bathroom that was outside in the corner and then like come around and like come back and suddenly one of them had money <laughs> like just really shady weird stuff happened there all the time and there's no like glass windows like at this place. So anyhow, there's this one night where I'm working. It's like two or three in the morning. Um, and this guy comes in and he's like, yeah, it's the most, he's pretty much saying like, oh, it's the most annoying thing. Like my wife, you know, wants me to get like Cheerios. Do you guys have Cheerios? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think we have like Cheerios, you know, they're overpriced, but you know, we're a mini mart. So, so the guy like grabs the Cheerios, he brings them to the counter rings them up. I, I ring them up. Um, the second the register opens, he pulls a nine millimeter out from like under his shirt and points it like directly at my head. 
And um, at that moment, it's like, um, we've described this before, but it's like when you have these weird experiences, it's like things go into slow motion because it's like, it's like this weird survival response kind of thing. And so at that moment, it's like, it flashed through my head that like, if this goes down the wrong way, I'm going to be a guy who died as like kind of a loser working at an AMPM <laughs> who like could barely make rent and like had not started my art career, even though I wanted to do comics and was kind of like failing in the band that like we were recording and stuff, but we weren't like getting courted by like major record labels or anything. And, um, so I was like, Oh, well that's going to suck, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so the guy's basically just like, give me the cash. And like, uh, and so I give him all the cash and the goal when you're getting robbed at gunpoint is to, to supposedly get the person out of the store as quick as possible. So you just kind of do, whatever you can. He asked for what's in the safe. I literally can't open the safe because I'm just doing these drops every like 20 minutes. You like take all the twenties in the register and put them in this little slip thing that you pull out and then you push in and it's like kept in a safe. So I, I literally didn't have the money. I kind of explained that to the guy, but, and I'm not panicking. That's the weird thing about this whole process. It's just very surreal the whole time. And I'm kind of trying to be like the ultimate, um, uh, kind of like the ultimate uh, customer service for the guy, you know, just to keep him happy and like get him out of here. And so finally he's like, and, and give me like four um, cartons of cigarettes. And I'm like, what kind of cigarettes would you like? And he's like, you know, uh, camels or whatever. So I grab like four of the cartons of camels and just hand them to him. And he puts the gun down slightly which causes me relief and then he 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 pulls his hood over his head and runs out and the second he does that there's like this little button at the bottom of the register you know that we we had to hit a lot even if like somebody did a beer run mainly because they like in those cases it's so they can get a report police report so they can file for the insurance claim but anyhow so i hit that because i'm like and of course I have the keys to the place, which we aren't allowed to lock, except in the time where you'd like, like if you had to clean outside, you could lock, but you couldn't be out of the store for 15 minutes. That was like policy. So anyhow, so I run out, I, I, I run to the door, lock it, um, and I'm, and then the cops call because they call right after you hit the button. And um, I tell them, hey, I just got robbed at gunpoint. You know, I'm at this AMPM and like, and then I just sit and wait and it's a, it's about five minutes. It's like the quickest I've ever seen cops get there. Then a patrol car pulls up, they take the description stuff like that. Uh, five minutes later, my manager shows up looking like she just woke up and, uh, and tries to get me to stock the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point I was like, I just got robbed at gunpoint. So I'll tell you what, I'm going home. <laughs> so I went home and it's like, at that point, um, that's when it all kind of hit like the reality of it. So like I had like, like my body was just totally calm and collected through the whole thing. And then the second I kind of like stepped into my apartment, like my hand just started shaking and literally for, it was like for a day and a half after that, like I couldn't stop like shaking, but I do attribute that to the main reason. Like it was like maybe a week later that I re-enrolled at the junior college <laughs> 
um, so that I could get the hell out of that city and get my degree and get a career that I could be proud of and, and finally start making the things that I wanted to make. Um, cause there's, if there's anything that makes you have a reality check, it's like literally having a gun pointed at your head. Cause you're like, Oh, well, okay. So what was that worth? You know? <laughs> so, um, so it was a really good reality check for me, but that was, that was one of my stories. So yeah. So there we go. That that's crazy, man. That, that, yeah. Re- that reminded me of another story. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell this one kind of quickly, but there is some background. So I was living in, I was living in Scotland and I was uh, not living well in Scotland as far as like financially. I wasn't like, I wasn't in Edinburgh, right? I was in like the, the kind of offshoot suburbs of Glasgow, which is like, it's not as rough as like Ireland is. Like I, I knew a bunch of dudes who lived in Ireland and like you get beat up a lot in Ireland, but like um, in Glasgow, it's still pretty rough. And so like, I was, I was like attacked like at least weekly like you just i don't know because i'm like not a big guy and so anyway so there was like rules you know if like somebody asked you what time it was you would raise your hand up and you would check your watch like so that you could maintain eye contact with them because what they were really trying to do was get you to like look down so that you like weren't paying attention and they could you know like get a get a good headbutt in or something like that so anyway, there's two there's two things that are kind of terrifying about Glasgow. One is called the Glasgow Kiss, and the Glasgow Kiss is where the thugs try to take the the media, the the bony part of their forehead and headbutt you um, right right underneath the the eyebrow on your nose, so it separates the cartilage of your nose from your skull, basically. It's called the Glasgow Kiss, and there's not it it, it instantly breaks your nose and and it makes you bleed. Uh, kind of in several places, so it kind of disorients you. It's really, really painful from what I hear. The other one is worse, the Glasgow Smile. Now, the Glasgow Smile is they take straight razors, like old-school straight razors, and they cut uh, half an inch on either side of your mouth. And then they they kick you, uh, and and when once your ribs start breaking, it's really hard not to scream, and when you scream, it just like opens your face up. Kind of oh, like, uh, kind of like uh, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, right? He he had a Glasgow smile, and so um, so I was aware of both of these things because you know we're we're kind of constantly aware and like the the crew that we were with, we always made sure that we were with someone else and everything. But anyway, you'd still get rocks thrown at you and stuff like that, which in a in an environment where like all of the sports involve like kicking things like, yeah. <laughs> you know, people throwing rocks at you is like, you're grateful that they don't think to like put something on the ground and kick it at you. Cause they're never going to hit you. And if you do get hit, it's like, you know, not a big deal, but, um, but they drink, they drink this, this uh, really sugary wine called Buckfast, super cheap. And then they would break the bottles on the, on the curbs and then they'd have like a makeshift knife, you know, that they could just like shove and twist. And so I knew tons of guys that got, you know, like messed up. And, and if you're smart, you could, you could avoid, you couldn't avoid confrontation, but you could avoid like death. That, that's kind of, that's, that's where it was. So um, I was like a buddy of mine was getting chased through this, uh, through this park by um, a bunch of like thugs who were like hopped up on like PCP. And, um, 
And and so like the dude he was with outran him and he tripped and he had a backpack on and they were kicking him in the backpack. This guy's an idiot. And so he starts making fun of them. And he says, ha, ah, you morons, that doesn't even hurt. You're kicking me in the backpack. And so one of them calmly oh. walks around to the front and kicks him right in the face and just laid his face open. And, oh. uh, and anyway, a lot of the time, once you, once there's blood that's kind of over, but sometimes it isn't the case. For him, luckily, that was it. They, they, got, they got what they wanted out of it. And anyway, so we had this appointment in like... I don't think I really quite understood. I was like 20 and I don't think I really quite understood the danger because, um, you know, we went to this appointment and there was some, there was some Scottish people that were like, Hey, don't, don't go to that village like ever. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like we need to go meet with these people anyway. And he's like, no, you don't. No one in that village is worth meeting with. And I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of mean. He's like, no, seriously, like you're taking your life in your hands. And I'm thinking like, ah, it's kind of exaggerating it. And he's like, he's like, the, okay, just so you know, you have to get out of there before the sun goes down. Because Sorry, I'm just thinking of like somebody visiting LA who's like, I'm just going to take a stroll through like Watts or Compton. Right. You know, like just, just like, yeah. you know, just, you know, like, in, <laughs> And more Anyways. more than that, like, you know, go knock on somebody's door and like talk to him for a while and then, ha! you know, take public transport in and out of Watts or Compton. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was comparable, um, except because this particular village is owned by the government because it was considered uh, what they call council flats, like welfare, um, generational welfare, where like and, and you have kind of packs of boys that run around and and they operate exactly like a pack of wild dogs um you they're not exactly sure i mean they're kind of they're they know who their mom is none of them know their dad um you know and there's no glass in the entire in the entire village because any glass windows just get broken by the kids and any of the kids nobody bothers to shut their door is any of the kids, whenever they want anything, they walk into whatever house they're closest to and just take it. And like all the adults are just like, well, that's just how it is. There's no point in trying to fight this pack of like, you know, 12 to 15 year old, like pre thugs, you know? And so it's pretty, it's a pretty crazy environment. And uh, yeah. bus, buses don't run there after night because the kids will wait in the bushes. And when the bus comes, they'll lob a brick right in front of the bus. So the bus drives into it. And just breaks the front window of the bus and stuff like that, right? And so, um, so we're there, and like they're like, "Hey, just so you know, the cops don't answer calls to to Craig Nuke. They don't go there. Like it, they kind of just let it self-regulate." <laughs> and and um, and so anyway, oh, also, um, fire insurance on your car is mandatory because a, a favorite pastime of a lot of these kids is to find a vehicle and the rocket back and forth until it tips up on its side. And then you stab the gas tank <laughs> with a screwdriver and light it on fire. And you have like a little bonfire and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It was very common to just walk by um, flaming cars. It was like, a, it was like a weird, beautiful, amazing place with incredible architecture and like picturesque scenery. And then also like post-apocalyptic, like, Mad Max style, like flaming cars with roaming packs of 
feral humans. And it was just like, it's a weird thing. So anyway, so we were there and our appointment was going really well and it went super long and it was, uh, you know, you're like in the North sea, you know, it's pretty high. And so, um, the days are shorter and I wasn't used to it. And so I timed it poorly and I looked out the window and it was pitch black. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause we are 30 miles from our flat and we have no way, like we can walk 30 miles or try to hitchhike, which I wasn't super excited about, or try to catch a bus, which we were told it doesn't matter what the schedule says. Buses will not go there after, after the sun goes down. So we like, we're waiting at this bus stop, just going, dude, what are we going to do? Like, so I don't know, like how fast can you walk? And like, I time myself, I can walk like 11, 11 miles an hour, you know? And so like, okay. So it's like, you know, worst case scenario, three or four hours walk, you know, that's pretty terrible. But once we get out of the village, we're, you know, we're fine. You know, we're not going to get like mugged because it's just the middle of the countryside by then. <coughs> out of the, uh, out of the shrubs and out of the shadows, we are surrounded by 15 to 20 of these neighborhood kids. And some of them, they're already drunk. Some of them are curious. They hear in like an American accent and they just want to talk to us because we sound like people on TV and that's kind of interesting. Some of them are more of the, like the angry kind of drunk. And, uh, and a few of them, I think I counted at least two that I saw were thumbing, like opening and closing those old straight razors. And I was thinking, dude, I do not, I do not want to have a Glasgow smile. That is, that is definitely what I, what I don't want. And so we, we kind of put our backpacks down and we, we went back to back and we started spinning so that we could kind of have, cause you can't quite get 180 degree view, but if you spin, you can, you can, you can see each person frequently. Right. And so you just kind of maintain eye contact so that they know that you're whatever. And so we had kind of trained a little bit for crowd fighting, um, cause of these situations. And so anyway, they, they start getting closer and closer and there is a, there is an organization called the CID, which is from what I can understand, kind of local versions of the FBI that are, that are kind of in, involved in like DEA stuff, like drug enforcement stuff and like gang stuff and crimes and, and whatever. And it's, and we kind of dressed like CID a little bit. And so they're like, they're like, are you guys CID? And I'm like, no, man, we're not. And it's like, they, they wouldn't say if they were, you know, and I, I couldn't decide if I wanted to be CID at the time or not. It's like, if, if I am CID, are they just going to like kill me so that I, this, just to send a warning or like, is that going to be a deterrent? Like, I don't know. And so, um, anyway, so they're having this conversation, we're spinning back to back. They're like getting closer and closer. One of the kids, um, starts tapping his Buckfast, empty Buckfast bottle on the curb and breaks it in half. And I'm like, okay, so we've got, we've got a Buckfast knife. We've got three straight razors and there's, we're outnumbered at least like, you know, at least like eight to one. And so I'm like, okay, this, this is, there, there's no way that this goes well. So for some reason I just reached in my pocket and I, I flipped my bus pass at them and it had like, the seal of like the bus company was like gold foil. And then it had like my picture. And then one of the kids goes, I told you there was CID, there was CID. And right then for no reason at all. And still to this day, I don't know how or why this person was in this village. 
a Jaguar pulls up with tinted blacked out windows, like, like a Jag just pulls up and stops right like seconds after I flipped my bus pass at him and they just, just scattered, disappeared into the shadows. They were gone as, as easily as they came. The Jag pulls away. I don't know what the Jag was doing. And then the bus shows up like an hour after sundown. And, uh, and so we got on the bus and went home. And I didn't die that day. I was really excited to not wow. <laughs> to not have a Glasgow kiss or a Glasgow smile. Quick thinking, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's uh, I got I've got a bunch of Scottish stories, but uh, but that's 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 a good one. I, I I took way too long telling that story, but yeah. No, I think I think it was a good one. Um, <laughs> holy moly, um, cool. So. I feel like I feel like we've touched on three, three and four, actually four pretty awesome near death stories. Uh, you you got another one, Scott, or you 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 all all probably, but I don't have it like queued up. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, I gave like a bunch of smaller stories. So this this isn't like a complete story, but I'll just tell you my first day in Scotland. I I was in a place called Pollock, um, which was in between and and like. In Scotland, it's different than than in other places where I've lived. Like soccer is a religion, um, and you have religious teams. So you have the Celtic, which is or the Celtic, which is the uh, uh, that is the Irish um, Catholic team, and then you have the Rangers, which is the Protestant team. And when they when they played each other, they called it the grudge match. People died like in the streets. Like there would be riots, no matter who won or what happened. And so that was the first night that I showed up and my apartment was directly in between both of these football pitches. And so you had the Celtic and the Rangers on either side of my apartment. And so my apartment complex was, um, was like the epicenter of this. And I know that the way memory works that I'm exaggerating this, but it was the weirdest scene I've ever seen. So I was just, I was just in this cab slowly driving through the city i couldn't understand anything that anybody was saying because they were all speaking english but with like a thick scottish brogue and everyone was drunk and there are just crowds of people trying to knock buses over and people running through this and i still remember um like women and children and strollers and stuff like as if nothing's happening and then other people like throwing like molotov cocktails and then there's this guy who has his kilt pulled up tucked underneath his armpits and just running down the street pissing just just <laughs> running down the street just urinating whichever way he he blew and uh, and i was like what what have i done why why did i decide to live here it was an interesting it was an interesting couple of years so yeah that's there was, awesome there's no point yeah, to I've that story but pretty fascinating like long beach stories but i but i don't want to carry it too long um <laughs> So we'll we'll have to kind of continue this one a little later, I think. Um, so, all right. Um, anybody in the chat have any questions? I know Mike and uh, Squatchy and Victor showed up. So I think Victor said he's really excited to start Sticker Stint on Thursday, which is cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, thanks to everybody who, like, joined us in the chats. And uh, thanks, Scott, for joining us. Yeah, um, it's pretty exciting, man. It's it's fun to fun to hear your stories, and especially I'm actually really glad you told the almost killing your brother ones because those are <laughs> those are hilarious. Um, 
yeah so like more to come we might we might touch base on this uh next 48 hour art check or or we might hit like a little art topic and then kind of use this as filler every once in a while um yeah so should we tell everybody where to find everything and all that fun stuff yeah so if you want to find scott circlin's stuff and get free comic things to make your uh your awesome comic project that you should be doing if you're not go to circworks.com um, there's all kinds of things there to see and to buy, and uh, and you can also get that free comic book starter kit by signing up for his newsletter. Um, if you want to check out Joshua Kimball's stuff, um, then you can see his YouTube channel, um, which I believe we're on tonight, and so make sure that you subscribe and hit that bell. You can also go to um, quarterlystories.com, which will have his autobio comic that he is several pages from finishing volume one of. And is really good, so you got to check that out. And if you have a moment, go to uh, tapas.io, um, which is an, uh, also a mobile app, and you can subscribe there, which which helps him out. If you want to see my stuff, you can go to coreykerr.com. We're starting the sticker stint on Valentine's Day for some reason. And so if you want to join in with us, you can go to coreykerr.com slash sticker stint. That's C-O-R-Y-K-E-R-R.com slash sticker, S-T-I-N-T. And uh, we'll see you guys in a couple days. We are out.